It's time for High Plains Public Radio's weekly program, Growing on the High Plains. Here's Skip. A springtime stop at a plant place in Pratt, Kansas, brought me face-to-face with a remnant of my past and sent me home with a little plastic flower pot of the aromatic herb called patchouli. A native plant of tropical Asia, it is produced commercially in Indonesia, Malaysia, and Sumatra, and is a big player in the aromatherapy industry. A look at ancient history has found that King Tut had a hankering for the oil produced from patchouli leaves and directed that a vat of it be placed in his tomb for use in the afterlife. Ancient Romans declared it stimulated their appetites prior to their gluttonous feasting, and it was used medicinally in China to treat skin inflammations. Patchouli has long been identified by its heavy, spicy smell that has made it a part of the world of scented oils and perfumes. However, it was first introduced to the Western world as a moth repellent that accompanied precious silks and brocades that were transported from the Orient to the courts and palaces of the crowned heads of Europe. The heady odor of the patchouli leaves used in packing the precious cargo meant high-quality goods were being transported, and the patchouli scent soon became a popular way of declaring the wearer was among the higher levels of society. Masters of the olfactory factories of Paris and London soon added dried patchouli to their ingredients and began producing oils and lotions and soaps that gave off that distinct tweedy odor. In the 1960s, that smell became a trademark of the flower child generation and was often associated with rock concerts, love-ins, be-ins, and communal celebrations, especially on the streets of San Francisco's Haight-Ashbury district. Patchouli was regarded with either love, usually by those wearing beads and tie-dye, or hatred, those older than 25 and well-suited for the financial district by the Brothers Brooks. I was sort of an odd man or woman out, though I was much more involved with the civil rights movement than the hippy-dippy-dope-and-love contingent, I must admit to a fondness that still exists for tie-dye t-shirts, peace symbols, and the heady scent of patchouli. So when I saw the peaceful little plant that was struggling to survive in a cold and windy parking lot, I took it in and gave it a home in western Kansas far from the Pacific tropics of its ancestors. I first gave it a taste of the outdoors while I read up on its required care. Since we who reside on the flatlands have been living on a roller coaster of temperatures this growing season, I tried protecting the patchouli from near-freezing cold spells at night and shading it from blistering near 100-degree sunny days. After observing some signs of distress and obvious sunburn on its top leaves, I brought it indoors to buddy up to the African violets and enjoy the camaraderie of the kitchen. As of this writing, it seems much happier, especially when HPPR's High Plains Morning host plays a little James Taylor, Judy Collins, or Simon and Garfunkel. But I think it might really begin to branch out in all directions if it heard a smattering of Big Brother, Jefferson Airplane, or some early-day Leonard Cohen. Or how about some canned heat, strawberry alarm clock, or Country Joe and the Fish? Ah, the colorful 60s, when they really knew how to name a band, and everybody wafted patchouli as they walked. Peace and love, everybody. 
Reporting on the High Plains is a production of High Plains Public Radio. It's written and narrated by Skip Mancini and produced by the staff at HPPR. To listen to other Growing on the High Plains episodes, visit hppr.org.